Tune into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds? Where it's the same year, and you're the same person, but everything else is different. And what if you can't find your way home? And here we are for another episode, or issue, have you, of Imaginative Presents Characters 101. And this week, Chris, we are doing Rick Flagg. So people who have watched Suicide Squad at this point, I know this is it's been out for you know a few months now. <laughs> or, I don't know, maybe it's only been a month and a half. But uh, it's actually... It, even though I wasn't, I'm not a big fan of the movie. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think I've said before, I, I didn't hate the movie, but I didn't love the movie either. It was just kind of middle of the road. So uh, I would have to say that uh, uh, I'm surprised how much money it's made by now. <laughs> no, to be honest, I, I totally agree. Then I like. I mean, I, I, obviously, I'm not the right demographic for it. I don't know anything about these comic books. Um, so, <laughs> so it was just interesting to see that you know, it, it went and, uh, you know, it is, it's definitely, a, a out of the left field type of film, you know, suicide squad's a tough choice. Um, they put it together and you know, it's, yeah, it's one of those films. Like when I watched it, I liked it, but then when I started thinking about it, I didn't like it. <laughs> That's why I, I just try to be like, okay, think about the explosions. Don't think about the dialogue. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's kind of what you have to do. And I, I, I mean, that's, I think that's, uh, a gr- actually i think the movie for us in particular for character 101s is probably a, a really great s- source because it's using a lot of sea level characters i would guess uh that oh, most yeah. people wouldn't know about and rick flag for having such a a lush long history in dc comics probably isn't known by very many people that's true i mean like he'll 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 get introduced you know he was definitely uh an early Silver Age character, so people will know him, but, you know, that only lasted maybe three, four years. Then his reintroduction in the 80s with the Suicide Squad, but then again, that only lasted three, four years, and exactly, yeah, he's he's a tough character. He doesn't have that longevity, so exactly, it's kind of neat, because here we are in our, you know, our geekiness, and people can come and be like, oh, who was that character? Oh, well, have I got a story? <laughs> <laughs> so that's who we're going to be talking about today. Let's go ahead and let's get some uh, comic book news out there first. Uh, comic book, All right, well, comic books and uh, a little bit of uh, movie TV news. Yeah, I was going to say, you're definitely going to have to do the, uh, you're going to have to do the heavy lifting this week. <laughs> Well, let's see. All right. So Marvel, in their um, great fashion of putting out the teasers, so they, they were putting out this. It was just a simple MU. So it's kind of like a, a chrome looking, a grayish looking, and it's got some claw marks on it. So, you know, what was it? What was this MU? And every week they would put, you know, Colin Bunn with Salvador LaRocca, Colin Bunn with Linneal Yu, Colin Bunn with Steve McNeil. Are McNeven, uh, Greg Land, and Adam Kerber. So you're like, wow, that's some heavy talent, you know, because all those artists are amazing. I think the one that I I recognized the most was Steve McNeven. That's, you know, one of his, his, a lot of his books I love. Uh, Nemesis is one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. He's got beautiful art. I mean, I just, you know, when they do events and he, he did Civil War. Yep. You know, he really, he put the, 
he put it up there. So it was just like, all right, this is going to be cool. Um, so I was like, okay, what's this going to be about? What's MU? And, you know, for me, I was hoping it was Marvel universe, you know, maybe it's going to be a, you know, a reuniting of the Marvel U since we're fractured and, you know, technically Thor's not Thor, Hulk's not Hulk and so on down the line. So I was hoping, but in reality, it turns out to be monsters unleashed. Um, <laughs> Which is a throwback to their 70s horror magazines, you know, with the man things and, and Frankenstein and stuff like that. See, um, I wonder, so. I wonder because, um, I don't know if you've, if you've seen this, but like, uh, right now Hollywood is kind of trying to throw together this ulti- uh, a shared universe for movies through their, uh, universal monsters. <laughs> you know, I, I could definitely see that's, that's their way of trying to get on the ground floor, um, but see that that's the thing is I think when if we want if we want to read you know werewolf well if we want to read a story of the werewolf we read the werewolf not you know uh, werewolf by night you right know, that's that's it's because those characters come off as a pale imitation you know when we think of Dracula we think of Bella Lugosi not Marvel's Dracula you know what I'm saying <laughs> the one that Blade so tried I, to fight <laughs> yeah right you know and, and then that's why we don't like that one because there he's a villain so I mean I don't know best of luck to him. You know, it's going to start January of next year. Um, you know, we'll see what it is. But I, I don't know. Marvel, I feel like it's like every third year they release something with their monster books. So we'll see, you know. But um, it, it was it was DC that had their that one, uh, like, monster book at, during uh, Flashpoint, wasn't it? Wasn't it like Frankenstein? Yeah. Yeah. They, they had Frankenstein was running around with a, a group of, you know, other other uh horror misfits and stuff like that but you know they they each do that maybe actually i think that's that's what it is it's they, they it's every third year so marvel does it then the next year dc <laughs> does it then they take a year off marvel tries it again because you know marvel did the same thing um after original sin when we found out dum dum was just a robot he was leading the um oh man what was the the, the world war ii name hero group uh that was a bunch of you know monsters and whatnot um I, don't I can't think about it. Yeah. It, anyways, it was a book and, you know, same thing. It, it gets one arc and then that's like, all right, let's cancel this. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see. Also, well, so we had the big retail summit this week. Um, so that's always a big one because that's going to give you some of the heads up and what's coming out. So DC let out a couple of things. Um, they have a new exclusive, Steve Orlando, and I hear he's doing great with the Supergirl books. He's done a good job of incorporating all her many elements, all her different forms, and the TV. So it's it's definitely it's it's a hot book since Rebirth. So Steve Orlando will be a full DC writer, and on top of that, they're trusting him with their Justice League of America book, which is going to be great. Um, what's interesting, though, it was announced, you know, like, hey, this is one of our big, strong Rebirth books. It's actually pulled back because what they're going to do is they're going to have a big event. <clears throat> Speaking of Suicide Squad, so it's going to be Justice League versus Suicide Squad. Oh, so man. that could be interesting. I guess finally it's, you know, the JLA has heard about Amanda Waller's Task Force X. And, you know, it's like, all right, maybe we should shut it down or who knows what's going on. So that could that could be good. That could be good for uh, the fans. That could be bad for Amanda Waller. So it'll be interesting to see. And obviously, when they're talking about it, you know, they're 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 already putting up team or you know uh, uh, face offs: Batman, Deadshot, Flash, Boomerang, Wonder Woman, Harley Quinn. So you know, it's it's gonna they're gonna have to fight, and then eventually, as they put here, they'll put aside their differences when an evil threat once lost the DC universe makes their return. Wow. Gee, that that sounds like Steppenwolf. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, yeah, that'll definitely be a big book to get. Um, one thing here I just noticed, uh, Jeff Johns was saying, with all our heroes back on the board, it's the supervillain's turn, and the events will set the stage for Rebirth Phase 2. As a surprising team emerges and another piece of the puzzle of the future of the DCU and past comes into focus. So definitely go out there, check out your Justice League versus Suicide Squad. Hopefully get some good news. Um, and next up, they also announced they were going to do um, – so they've been playing with the Hanna-Barbera books. They took like the Flintstones and kind of put like a, a madman spin on it. So that was interesting. Um, so the Jetsons, they're going to be taking over. So Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palamati are going to be you know, taking their spin on the Jetsons. So oh, wow. Yeah, that could be very interesting. I mean, that's uh, they've had quite a bit of success with their Harley Quinn book, haven't they? Oh, man, they've been killing it on Harley Quinn. Like, basically, it's kind of funny. They've been doing so good with Harley Quinn that Rebirth kind of gets in their way. <laughs> uh, I like that. But, yeah, the, yeah, they've been uh, – I mean, obviously, they've been a team for quite a long time. And they recently, I think within the last five years, got married. So, you know, now they work on books together a lot more often and uh, – yeah, all I've heard about the Harley book is that they're killing it. Yep. Yeah, and, and obviously Jimmy showed us the secret. If you want to do good, you marry your artist. So. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you keep her happy, right? Exactly. Yeah, happy wife, happy book. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the, so I mean, that's great that they'll be getting more books to do. Um I'm sorry I cut you off. Did you have more? Oh no, that well, that was that was honestly it. So, you know, definitely just go out to the shops, you know, find your uh find your books that you're interested in um i would definitely say you know the superwoman book the super well actually the super family books they're good because they're they're putting more pieces out there of what's going on um but otherwise no nothing nothing major so kind of you know even though it was the big diamond summit retailers escape nothing much came out of it except for those four head bets so that was about it so, so what you got? <laughs> i think uh, well i thought something very interesting that we hadn't uh gotten around talking about yet was the the fact that Justice League Dark, the movie, uh, is back in the cards. Now, for the longest time, Guillermo del Toro was attached to uh, you know, write and direct this, uh, this movie. Uh, since then, I believe he's dropped out, which is you know, unfortunate because I think, I think it would be right up his alley for that type of movie. Oh, he would have been perfect for it. He just When he talked about it, I could, I could see such excitement in him. And that was that's great to see. You know, that's great to hear. Um, I've seen his work before. I was totally excited. And unfortunately, you know, it's yeah, he didn't really drop because of his own choice. I think it was uh, scheduling. Um, yeah. Uh, Pacific Rim. They need Pacific Rim, too. And I'm like, oh, damn it. I didn't even see Pacific Rim. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> this is this is my chance to see Dead Man. And now it's gone. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, we still we still have a very good chance of seeing Dead Man because uh, Doug Lyman is now being attached to it. And, uh, you know, he's more he's more, uh, I would say, known for his action movies because he did the first uh, Born Identity and, uh, a lot, you know, a bunch of other action films out there. So, you know, Hopefully they'll still keep a lot of the mystic aspect of Justice League Dark because that's the whole point of that book. Uh, but you know we'll, we might get some some pretty cool action scenes. Uh, who would who would you still who would you want to be the leader of this group if they if they ended up making it? You know if they did it, I, I know I know they're going to go with Constantine. But it'll be interesting because you know with the TV show and, and and his past film, will they will they even bother picking him? So I could see them picking John Constantine, but it, I, I I don't know. I kind of get torn. Like 
obviously my pick is dead man. You know, I'm thinking, Oh, well he'd be a great character for that. And, you know, obviously he could be, you know, once he dies around the cushion is like, Oh, you need to assemble a team. So it's easy to put him there and, and kind of, you know, also show character growth where he goes from being, you know, a, a, a jerk to now having to be a team player and a leader. So that could be something, but honestly, I think if I, if I really put it out there, I think swamp thing could be an interesting choice for the leader. Um, like, yeah. You know, wow. put, put it out there with his connection to the green and, you know, obviously he could be the one who's like, Hey, there's a disturbance and I need your help. And, you know, plus just for the dynamic of here comes this big muck of green trying to recruit. You, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think, more than likely, they'll probably go with John Constantine just because I, th- I would imagine he's the, probably the most well known out of the the characters. Uh, maybe Zantana might be a little bit more, um, but I would love to see Dead Man as their leader too. I think, uh, just like you said, the growth of him being a very selfish character and kind of a jerk to having to look out for the rest of the team or putting them together and and just to see his powers being used on on live action screen is going to be probably be. Uh, a lot cooler and like could you imagine if they got someone to play the character and then the fact that his power is to possess you know you'd have to have all these other actors have to act like that one particular actor you know what i mean or you could do the the um eddie murphy route and you just put him in makeup that looks similar to (laughs) similar to the actors and now he has to act like that actor (laughs) oh I, i like that too that wouldn't be bad uh now we also have a animated movie of justice league dark coming out real soon i believe it's in the next few months uh, yes. And that one, they have the uh, Matt Ryan, who played John Constantine on TV, doing the voice in the animated series, which is awesome for me, because I thought that was a very good show. And I think, you know, I, I'd love for him to get more work. You know, for the longest time, there was talk of uh, maybe the CW picking the show up since NBC dropped it. And he did show up in Arrow last season twice, I believe. Uh, yeah. So it, that was uh, very cool. But I, it, there really hasn't been any more talk about it happening since, and you know that's kind of sad. However, yeah. they they uh, Berlanti, Greg Berlanti, who is kind of in charge of all these uh, different shows on the CW right now, uh, having to do with DC Comics, um, has said that they are going to be bringing Black Light Black Lightning onto the CW lineup of DC superheroes. That's going to be exciting. Uh, he's a great character. You know, a lot of people forget, too. You know, he, he was a former teacher. He got political. So it's it's really awesome that even though he's not a big top-tier character, his secret identity has done a lot. It's true. Know, so I'm excited. That's very excited true. excited to see what they'll do. And, you know, you'll see him uh, and you see him a lot in in different books. He, I mean, he shows up. I mean, for a while he was part of the Justice League. And, yeah. uh, you know, he, he showed up as, uh, Lex Luthor's cat in Lex Luthor's cabinet when he was president for, uh, being, I believe he was the secretary of education. I believe so. I think you're correct. And, uh, you know, I, and this is a fact that I didn't know. I, I mean, I, I, I read this on the, on, in the article, but he's DC's first black superhero. Really? I did not know that. I thought Jon Stewart always beat him out, but all right, that's cool. Yeah, I know. Definitely, I, he, he deserves a lot of respect. You know? Yeah, and and I, I know uh, there's the one sketch out there uh, from Saturday Night Live, <laughs> and it's during <laughs> Superman's death, and it's supposed to be the funeral, and, you know, everybody's coming in to, uh, uh, you know, pay their respect to Superman, and Black Lightning gets stopped at the at the door because no one knows who he is, and I believe it's played by Sinbad. 
and he's just kind of <laughs> you know having a fit about it, which is is kind of funny, but you know it's unfortunate. I I believe he isn't he also featured in uh, Super Friends. Wasn't he one of the Super Friends? I don't think he did. I don't think he. I think they did Vulcan, which would be uh, like a. That's right. Yeah, he never really. I don't think he made the cut. He, uh, but it was funny because you're mentioning that era when he was part of Luther's cabinet, which I always thought was wild because I always remember that team that they assembled that had to take down Superman and Batman during the Public Enemies. Right. And it was crazy because it was all these like heroes, and they were like you know they were honorable heroes, and it was it was just a shame that you know. Like I know him and Captain Adam, they had to, you know, they had to put up their, put up with their loyalties because of what they were to the president, right? You know, but it was so shocking because of all the other characters that were there. You're just like, oh man, this is this is wild. How does this happen? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like our uh, own version of uh, you know Civil War before Marvel did it. I mean, yeah, it was the heroes versus Superman and Batman, but it was still kind of heroes versus heroes, right? Oh, yeah. Well, and I thought it was neat, too, because obviously they, they did some playing with the characters they picked. And, you know, that gave us the big Hawkman, Captain Marvel versus Batman, Superman battle, which was really cool. You know, <laughs> Which uh, I will always remember Castling because of that. <laughs> <laughs> Vocabulary upgrade. <laughs> uh, and then the last thing I think that we should talk about, since uh, I don't think we hit on it last week, but uh, a big uh, kind of... DC Extended Universe uh, footage showed up on the internet via Bat... Or Bat I, should, I was about to say Batman's Facebook, but it's uh, Ben Affleck's <laughs> Facebook. Uh, it was some test footage of Deathstroke that was uh, was being filmed. I, I believe it's just test footage. I mean, it could definitely be some kind of uh, you know footage that's going to show up in Justice League since that just wrapped uh, filming. Or, you know, uh, maybe in the Batman solo film, but I don't think they're ready to start shooting that yet. Um, but yeah, Deathstroke and he, I don't, I, I thought he looked pretty good. The the costume looked real great. Oh yeah. I remember like, I mean, Deathstroke, he's definitely a character that's on my radar. I, you know, I know him and stuff like that. Um, I get more excited about news on him because, you know, several of my friends are, are death, are Deathstroke heads, <laughs> but I, I just was, yeah, I watched that footage and I was like, damn, that looks good. You know, I'm just waiting for him to take off the mask and you see Matt Damon underneath. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's uh, some interesting thing because uh, a lot of the speculation around the internet right now is that it's going to be Joe Manganiello. And yeah, I, I, I heard that. I don't know if you've seen any footage of him or movies of, of his or not, or True Blood, if you watch that or not, because I think that was his biggest role. No, for me, it's always, uh, uh, it, was, it was probably pretty, I don't know if it was early in his career, but... Man, he did a good job playing a troubled youth. Um, obviously, his troubles led him to uh, bullying, which he, I mean, took it out on Peter Parker. I, after that, I was like, it makes sense why he ran away from the high school and became an assassin. Oh, of course. You know, Flash Thompson <laughs> became Deathstroke. I like it. <laughs> Forget Agent Venom. Let's go. Let's go full throttle. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he has a, um, you know, his Instagram came out and he's sporting a very familiar looking goatee and a a very tight crew cut and uh you know it said something about him hanging out with his friend Zack snyder in london or something like that and you know that's where uh, they're 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 uh filming justice league so it it could very well be that he's going to be our deathstroke now that i did not know that's pretty cool (laughs) yeah i mean i mean obviously there was no um no official announcements by him or anything but he is uh it the hints are out there but we have been burned by hints and stuff before in the past 
So <laughs> yeah. I, I I called it MU recently. <laughs> <laughs> I really think that uh, I I really wanted Joe Manganiello, and I think I've said this before, to be uh, Captain Marvel Shazam in the the Shazam movie, but I, I think he'd, he'd do great as Deathstroke. I, I, I mean, obviously, the Deathstroke in the comic book is, is supposed to be older, and, you know, uh, but you you want a younger actor to play the play the role so that he can actually last longer, because no one actually has that, you know, uh, longevity po- uh, serum that Deathstroke actually took, so he could stay, <laughs> you know, fertile and, and, and flexible and stuff. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's what's that's what's tough about it is with these actors, you know, because things are going on and and stuff can change. So it's like, oh man, they're 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 taking some risk. And you know, Joe, he's he's a great actor, so I'm I'm excited to see him anywhere. But I do remember when we were talking about that, and you mentioned him for Captain Marvel. I was like, oh, I, I just I can't get that out of my head because <laughs> I think it's a great it's a great pick. Now though, with all these other rumors, you know, trailing the t- the, the trails of rumors. All I could see now is uh, Shannon Tating as as Captain Marvel, <laughs> which I'm not totally against because he does have you know a very wholesome looking face, you know. So I'm like, all right, you know, he's he's crazy big, strong, and he could totally have the heart of a kid, you know. I mean, oh, he definitely just, could. You know? And you yeah, know, I, I just think of 22 Jump Street, 21 <laughs> Jump Street, you know. <laughs> if uh, if you look at a lot of the drawings of Captain Marvel, most of the time they always try, kind of draw him with a a pudgy face. Like he still has that square right. jaw, but it's kind of rounded as opposed to Superman or Batman. So I, I think Tatum definitely has that look. And you know, with the fact that Gambit keeps getting pushed back and pushed back, uh, you know, more it looks more and more likely like it might not get filmed at all. Tatum might actually be up there for uh, filming something else. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, snooze you lose, so might as well, might as well go for it. I mean, that look what happened. That's what happened with. Uh, uh, you know, Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool for the longest time, he was attached. They kept pushing it back. So he was like, screw it. I'll go do green lantern instead. Obviously that didn't work out so well for him. He went back to Deadpool and <laughs> we got the, we got a great movie out of it. But if you keep pushing it back, someone's not going to want to be there anymore. Yep. Well, and to what I find funny. So speaking of Deadpool, so remember the mysteriously leaked footage? I almost wonder, is that kind of like, Oh yeah, let's, let's put some leaked footage out there of, uh, you know, of Deathstroke, you know, because it's not like Deathstroke's in danger, but I just wonder, was that something that was planned purposely? Oh, yeah. You know, none of this leaked footage stuff is ever not planned. I I, I think there's a whole team behind it that's like, oh, this is the perfect time to do stuff. So, uh, now, one thing I do have to say about the, the outfit, I think since, I don't know, I, I would say since uh, Arrow had Deathstroke on the, on the, on the show, we've had this Deathstroke that it always wears armor. I guess that was also during uh, uh, New 52, you know, this armored up Deathstroke. I always remember Deathstroke as this, you know, he's wearing scale mail, kind of a pirate outfit, and has the whole bandana around his head. Yeah, well, I always remember was he, he looked like the anti-Captain America. You know, like he, they both had the buccaneer boots and the buccaneer gloves, the chain mail on their chest, you know, and, and obviously that, you know, if they needed a, a tool for the job, they had it strapped to them for use. And yeah, exactly. No, I remember that too. But yeah, you're, you're totally right. As soon as new 52 came about, it was just all of a sudden like, all right, here we go. Let's, let's do this. Uh, let's do this whole chain or the, the whole armor, you know, and, and, and things like that. So yeah, it was a rather unfortunate loss because I, I thought it looked cool the way the costume was, you know, George Perez is one of the co-creators, you know, just a fantastic design. 
Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, and because one of the things that I have to say is that, you know, Deathstroke is kind of always been known, I mean, not only for being Deathstroke the Terminator, you know, very much a mercenary and ready to kill anything, but he's always been quick. Like, he's supposed to be really quick for, uh, you know, not only for a man his age, but just for, you know, a grown man. He's He's extremely quick. So, wearing all that bulky armor like he's almost like a halo player uh you know yeah he's uh it's it's got to be harder to move around but you know that's comic books it's it there you know you can get around that stuff uh yeah well but it's funny because it, it takes me back like it, you know everybody of course has the argument who's stronger batman or superman or this or that and one of the big things for batman was like you know there was slight armor in his costume you know very very slight right but it wasn't what it was. And nowadays, you know, you look at the back costume, it's just like, man, just strap some boots on and fly. You know, like, <laughs> full Iron Man. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, especially in Batman v Superman when he thinks, you know, throwing on extra layers of armor is actually going to stop a uh, Superman punch. It's just like <laughs> Superman, you know, rips that. The kryptonite gas does obviously slow him down, but he still rips the, like the, the gauntlets off and punches half of the helmet off and stuff. So uh, yeah. you got to imagine that. Yeah, that's the reason why. Because I mean, Batman is trained by ninjas. He doesn't want some clunky, loud ass armor to be holding him back. He, he wants sleek, soft, you know, movable fabric to be his thing. And and that's the the beauty of comic books. We can he can be like, well, I have layered inside this you know fabric some Kevlar, extreme Kevlar that you know not even uh, police have access to. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I always I always thought it was just an interesting visual because they would always you know like. There's a reason why a man dressed in black wears a yellow oval on his chest because that's where he had the most armor. So he always wanted to get shot there. And you would always see like the the symbol was torn, but you'd see this like, you know, metal plating right there. And it was always something that was cool. And it was like, oh, that's awesome. You know, but yeah, how does how do we you know, how is he any different now than Iron Man? You know, so it's it's a shame that they they, they went that route, you know, or they've they've armored them all up to extreme proportions. I mean, shoot, with New 52, technically Superman was wearing armor, too. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. And then the new Injustice 2 video game, they have everybody is, is wearing armor, even Supergirl. Yeah, oh man, and then the Flash. I mean, the, the Flash is technically wearing armor. It's like, ooh, I don't know if he's necessarily <laughs> fast and super strong. <laughs> you know? Okay. Well, I mean, that's just uh, maybe that's just the trend of looks now, you know. We want people to be armored up and 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 that's just or and when I say we, I mean just the general public, not so much us you and me (laughs) (laughs) well it's funny because what was it when we were younger it was all about patches you know everybody would have buckles and patches on their costumes as we saw with the the 90s x-men era so that's true we (laughs) love the armor (laughs) yeah you know belt pouches and and buckles and you know just straps everywhere for some reason thank you rob leefield uh okay so you know that's uh the little bit of news that we have going on for this past week I put it out there on Facebook if anybody if anybody wanted us to uh, uh, talk about anything in particular this week on Imagine If, and we got uh, we got a response from John, uh, also from our Geekly Radio Network on Geeks Watch. If uh, he wanted to know if we had any theories on why Thor at the moment in the comic books is no longer worthy of being Thor, so. Uh, I think as as uh, I think most of the comic book reading world would know at this point that uh, Jane Foster is the new Thor, and you know this is she's part of the I believe 
uh, a force team in the Marvel universe. Uh, she, yes. So she was part of the air force. And then on top of that, she actually made it to the all new, all different Avengers squad. So she's, she's been running around with those characters too. Uh, they've even hinted at, um, Oh, whatchamacallit, a romance between her and Captain Falcon. So, you know, definitely she's getting some, uh, she's getting some press time nowadays, you know? So, cause actually that's right. There was the big kiss that DC and Marvel released, or sorry, the big kiss that DC released with Superman and Wonder Woman. So at first, uh, Marvel tried it with Punisher and Elektra, and you know, obviously nobody really was like, "Oh, oh, cool, whatever." <laughs> kind <laughs> so of two low, to, low, low, lower characters. Yeah, so they had to they had to figure out another way to do that, and then then basically, yeah, it's just like, "Oh, hey, let's go with uh, let's go with some other top two, and let's have it be really unimaginable where it's Captain America and Thor are kissing." And you know, of course, <laughs> it's like, "Wait a sec, what?" <laughs> but yeah, now we've got the the Falcon and Jane Foster kind of. A little relationship brewing over there. Which I think is funny because we, we talked about this last week about how a lot of the times the movies influence our comic books. And, you know, comic books try to influence the movies as much as they can. Uh, the fact that in the next Thor movie, we no longer have a Jane Foster. And that's more of the behind-the-scenes stuff for the movie because, uh, you know, Natalie Portman didn't want to come back and do another movie. But, uh, you know, we have Jane Foster being such a high focus in the comic books right now and she's not going to be present in the in the next movie yeah that's gonna be um that's gonna be interesting because obviously when when the third thor film comes you know is this gonna be obviously you know again the comics have to align to the movies somewhat so is this where we see like okay you know this is um this is where you know thor comes back to being thor or you know what's gonna happen to jane you know yeah so well, I mean, let's go back to when uh, Thor lost his worthiness, and we're talking about the original Sin storyline. Uh, I believe the the all the Avengers go after Nick Fury, and uh, at that one point when Thor is near Nick Fury, he whispers into his ear. Yet none of the readers get, are allowed to know exactly what it is Nick Fury re, uh, whispers, and uh, Thor kind of loses it, right? Exactly. Yeah. So um, yeah, Nick Fury, in all his infinite wisdom, you know he. He literally is staring Thor down, and he's like, all it took was a whisper. And, and they did the classic, um, they must have went to that same font when they did, you know, with, with Mary Jane and Mephesto's whisper, where yeah. it's, you can see these little hints of a word, but it's not strong enough to make out anything. And then all of a sudden, Thor just shoots his face up, and he's like, what? What did thou, what if, what didst thou say? And next thing you know, he's he, during the battle, he's trying to lift his hammer. He can't do it anymore. And it's just like, whoa. That's that's major. So yeah, I think that was uh, Secret War. No, Original Sin number seven. So, so it's not. That's been a while. It's definitely <laughs> not the first time that we've had someone else be worthy of lifting Molyneux, right? Oh no, we've had a lot of characters. I mean, even uh, as, as recent as uh, Captain America during Siege. You know, he he was the one he picked up the hammer, and him and the townspeople they went to the aid of the Asgardians to stop Norman Osborn from taking them over and prison him and all that so uh the fact that jane foster lifting it up doesn't i mean necessarily mean anything against thor it's just that she is worthy and she is now bestowed the power of thor uh meanwhile thor is he running around as donald blake or is he just kind of a version of himself a big version of himself without powers well he's yeah he's 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 him he's now he's just thor and uh actually oh man he had he's had that was a rough year. <laughs> um, so he made it onto the 
Uncanny Avengers team. And Rick Remeter was writing it. So this was like volume one. That book, sadly, it's only been around for a couple of years. It's already on volume three, I think. Um, but anyway, so yeah, he, um, he, was, he was doing some nasty stuff. Like there was this axe. I'm sure I'm going to say this wrong, but Nyan born. So he had this axe and it was basically used to like kill a god or a celestial in its sleep. So when Thor was younger, he used it. And then lately he started using the axe more instead of the hammer. And, you know, at first you're like, well, does this have any influence on why he's going to be unworthy? And then, of course, we saw the big moment in Original Sin. And, you know, since then, he's just been kind of like he's still powerful, like he's still got his strength and. You know, he's not reverted to a human form or, or Donald Blake or anything like that. Um, I think he's still flying around and whatnot. But, yeah, they've kind of been showing him playing with other stuff. Um, there was one alternate universe where they ran into a version of the Avengers that were evil, kind of like the Earth 3 version, you know. Uh-huh. And so there, since he was unworthy, he was able to lift that Thor's hammer. Wow. Because, you know, that was an unworthy Thor. And... So it kind of just, you know, it, it, it left for a little bit and we, we saw at some points during the whole, uh, during the Avengers run um, that he actually got his arm chopped off. So he's got this like robotic metal arm that helps him too. Yeah, so it was rough for Thor, you know, so he's just kind of running around a pair of pants with a tattered cape and longer unkempt beard and hair and, you know, this metal <laughs> arm carrying an axe. And so finally, you know, they're, they're, they're playing with something. Uh, after the whole Secret Wars happened, the ultimate Thor hammer has crash landed. I think it crash landed on er- on our Earth, so that'll be interesting. And obviously, they're going to be releasing a new book. It's called The Unworthy Thor. Uh, Jason Aaron will be writing it, and Oliver Copiel will be the artist. Beautiful art. And it shows Thor and his unworthiness kneeling before the new hammer. So will he be able to lift? Will he be able to lift it? Will he, what will he do with it? So it'll it'll be interesting. Um, but yeah, definitely all we can do is speculate because Marvel has still yet to release, you know, why, why the hammer became unworthy, why he became unworthy. So it'll be interesting to say, um, you know, everybody's got their jokes. Mine is, you know, Nick Fury looked at Thor and he was like, yep, Cyclops was right. So that defeats all of Avengers versus (laughs) X-Men. Um, so it's tough, but I mean, obviously it's. It's it's got to be one of those things, and I like that Nick Fury kind of went all Batman on the Marvel Universe, where he's like, "I know all your weaknesses," <laughs> you know, because well, this makes me think of like when Batman hypnotized, or when Batman had it in his his case files to hypnotize Kyle to thinking he was blind, so he couldn't use his ring, right? You know, so it's one of those things. So it's like, what what post um, suggestion did? did Nick Fury put there that caused Thor to act this way, to feel this way, you know? Well, like I know, I know in the past and I don't know if we've done it on, on air or anything, but I know in the past we've talked about this particular thing because you look at, if you take just into account the Marvel cinematic universe. So you have Thor who in the, his very first movie, you know, basically has to learn humility. He has to learn to be humble and accept, uh, you know, the world as is instead of kind of, basically instead of just feeling entitled to his his power and uh his his father odin you know definitely throws that down there for him to 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 learn from and that comes from the original storylines i imagine uh of thor yeah so yeah you we also take into account and then we we skip ahead to uh avengers age of ultron when you know we we have the very cool scene of after the party of everybody trying to pick up the 
pick up the hammer and of course we get captain america who's just who slightly moves it and we talked about that we was like well why is it that he was able to slightly move it but not actually pull it up and and i think it's more of the whole being it you know the i guess the confidence in it because captain america doesn't believe that he should be worthy to pick it up so thus he's not worthy you know Steve, uh tony stark and isn't able to pick it up because uh he's just so full of himself that he he, he wouldn't never believe that he wouldn't be able to pick it up so obviously the worthiness comes has to come down to something in his his background where i don't know what it is that that nick fury could definitely have whispered at him but it had to have been something about his his family because to me thor is is all about the fight and all about the family yeah yeah so i mean it's definitely it's a tough one like yeah what was thrown out there that that did it that shut thor down um yeah, I, I'm curious because yeah, because actually it's funny that you're speaking of family because they even once they integrated um, what's her name Angela into the Marvel universe, you know they basically kind of put her in there so she's like a a half sister to Thor. So it's like hmm, what what is that gonna what does that do? You know how does that change things for him? So yeah, it'll be it's gonna be something interesting. So I guess the best we could do for John is kind of give him our own uh, theories. So are you thinking family is what kind of persuaded him to? Yeah, because um, I mean, tricked him. I know the last time when I was reading anything that had to do with with the relation to Thor, Boulder had taken over as the leader of the Asgardians for uh, you know since Odin had to go to his Odin sleep, and you know for all rights and purposes, everybody believed that Thor would be the one that would would take the place. But Boulder, being uh, a half brother to Thor, kind of uh, came out of nowhere, and you know I, I could see something like that being like, well, why do you think your father didn't think you were worthy enough to be his successor? Instead, he picked his his uh, his you know child from another marriage or out of wedlock child or something like that. You know, I like that honestly because it it does it kind of fits in because I was even just looking through stuff and that's right I forgot there was one point where Odin actually uh, wore the the destroyer armor to take on Thor, so they've definitely had a very rocky relationship. And even if you look at stuff, I remember I mean this goes back, but you know remember when it was King Thor when he was the actual king of Asgard mm-hmm. and. You know, during his reign, that's what led them into um, Ragnarok, the, the comic book storyline. So it's, yeah, definitely Thor doesn't have a good track record of taking care of his people. And, you know, is it because he's not, you know, he's very negligible to them. He doesn't care. He's always here on Earth. And, you know, and somebody brought up an interesting one. I was reading about that. You know, maybe it's it's easier for him to be to pretend he's worthy because really he's not. I mean, you run around with all these magic spells and, and, and armor and whatnot. And it's like, yeah, are you genuinely, are you genuinely worthy? Or are you just here on earth fighting creatures and things that are beneath you and easier to fight? You know? Yeah. So I thought that was definitely something worth looking into. So, I mean, I don't know, I guess like for me, I could see, I kind of, I kind of like that idea that it's, you know, Nick Fury's just kind of like, you're a sham, you know, you're not, you're not mighty. You're down here on earth fighting us, you know, earthlings and stuff like that. So I could kind of see that being, you know, that's definitely the, uh, the, the plot device that's there. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see, you know, what it's going to be. Obviously it couldn't have been something that long because if you ever look at the panel, it kind of looks like it's three words, right? you know? So, you know, uh, I don't know, you know, maybe he's like <laughs> Jane Foster's better, you know, <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, yeah, it could have been something as, as something as simple as, is his him just saying, you're not worthy. And then like, 
just the 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 little sliver of you know uh, doubt gets into yeah, his shaking mind. the confidence. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Which uh, then kind of reminds me, uh, did you read Runaways when it first came out? No, I, I missed the boat on that one. I didn't get into Runaways. So at one point, you know, they uh, the Runaways, you know, as the volumes or not the volumes, but as the uh, well, I guess they they call them volumes for the for the trade paperbacks. But as the story progresses, they eventually uh, put a member on the team by the name of Victor La Mancha. And uh, he ends up being a, a, a teenage boy that doesn't know that he's a he's a robot. He's an android, and uh, he was created by Ultron via almost the same as Vision. You know, Ultron creates uh, Victor La Mancha. The whole idea is supposed to be that he has this whole idea of becoming a superhero his whole life. Eventually, when he turns eighteen, he realizes he has powers. Or when he be, when he turns sixteen or something like that, he, be, he realizes he has powers. Uh, eventually, he become he's supposed to infiltrate the the Avengers via B being a hero, and then eventually turn on them through his programming. So uh, when Ultron set him up, he put in like uh, three different scenes that were supposed to be able to shut him down if ever he needed to be shut down through emergency. And uh, one of them was supposed to be uh, one of them. They they actually show one of them. They actually show in the book uh, is the one of the kids says, uh, "Could God make a burrito so hot it even burned his own mouth?" So <laughs> I, I wonder if if Nick Fury has like some kind of paradox, you know, thing that would actually like shut down Thor and his power and be like, "If you're so worthy, then how come this this didn't happen?" Kind of thing. Yeah, if you're so if you're so strong, why are you fighting me? You know? Yeah, basically, yeah, something like that. Just some kind of paradox that would definitely throw him out there and be like, "Well, damn." <laughs> yeah, well, because I like that. Like you said, I think it is. It's it's a confidence. It's not necessarily, you know, because you're right. When I when I when I think back to that that Civil War scene, or not Civil War, but that Avengers two scene, you know, it's like, yeah, obviously, you know. Uh, uh, Bruce Banner talked himself down because he's like, dude, I'm the Hulk. I'm a monster. You know, so of course he won't do it. Tony Stark's like, well, I want to do it just to show you up, you know, <coughs> so he doesn't have the right motive. And Captain America, you know, lifts it with all his might, you know, but exactly. He's his own downfall. It's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm a kid, I'm just from, a guy from Brooklyn. I'm you just know? a guy from Brooklyn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, definitely. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting. I, I hope they definitely touch base on it. Um, I hope they even touch base on Nick Fury. It'd be kind of nice to know what's going to happen to the original Nick Fury, you know, because we've got we've got Nick Fury Jr., who's Nick Fury now, you know, kind of kind of <laughs> actually <laughs> what we're going to talk about today with Rick Flagg. But um, it's it's kind of the same thing. So it's like, well, where did where did our character go? Where did, where's he at? What's going to happen with him? Yeah, exactly, and that's what it, it, that's a great segue into to Rick Flag because <laughs> uh, as we were state we were talking earlier, we were saying uh, Rick Flag Rick Flag was definitely supposed to be the DC's Nick Fury, and he's supposed to be this military man that will then eventually uh, you know uh, lead this secret team uh, and and have to navigate world politics while also trying to save it. Yep. Yeah, he's definitely he's the as they call it nowadays, he's the man on the wall, you know, so he's he's the one who's just kind of going after it to see what he can do. Yeah, and 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 unfortunately, you know, his character never really took off. I mean, being created in 1959, so he's a silver age character just uh 
never really takes off in any any way uh and eventually he i mean he's even the the rick flag the first rick flag uh was the one that created task force x and eventually you know since he doesn't it doesn't take off amanda waller comes back in i want to say what the 70s 80s 80s well and just just to kind of to before we walk away from that so his first appearance was the brave and the bold number 25 um just to kind of put it into perspective here because i brave and the bold that's the title where the justice league came from right so let me let me pull it up real quick so justice league of america their first appearance if I can pull it up here, the Brave and the Bold number twenty-eight. Oh, so and he's issue twenty-five. Wow, so he even predates so, the Justice League. Yeah, so I mean that's just some food for thought. Like, wow, look how look how close that character was right there to <laughs> you know to being you know. So yeah, he's he's definitely rich in his histories. Um, you know, he he was military. Uh, it'd be interesting. I, I don't know if they ever played with that because I know when Nick Fury was around, they did both. They had two books out there where it was Nick Fury and the Howling Commandos. So that was the World War II book. And then there was Agents, or I think they just called it S.H.I.E.L.D., and that was where it was Nick Fury in the modern world doing his thing as a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Uh. So I always wondered, did they do that with Captain Rick Flagg? Did they have him be like, okay, you know, let's put him in his World War II book and then have him kind of in a modern time? But I don't think that happened until much later in his career. And even then to explain how does a man – fight in world war ii but then all of a sudden run around with the suicide squad that's where they decided to do this whole senior junior idea right so then yeah eventually when uh we get amanda waller creating the recreating the suicide squad or task force x and now i just want to say that's a funny little tidbit is that you know for the longest time the book's called suicide squad but the team is actually like the official name of the team is task force x it's kind of more the villains who get on the team that call it the suicide squad because they realize that yeah, this is our mission is to die if if need be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's so actually truth be told, his first appearance, Brave and the Bold Twenty Five, was the Suicide Squad's first um, first appearance. And back then, you had oh gosh, what was it? It was kind of a a little bit of a tongue in cheek Fantastic Four. So you had their their team leader, which would have been Rick Flag, and actually, right here according to this, I guess he was Rick Flag Junior. Even back then. Ah, um, his girlfriend Karen Grace, Doctor Hugh Evans, and Jess Bright. So pretty much four people: three men and a woman. So you know, kind of definitely, uh, you know, some. I believe this. I, I think they would actually predate the Fantastic Four. So again, you know, kind of. All right, you know, this is this is what they are. Um, yeah, they were they were just out there doing their thing. You know, kind of four adventures. Um, I don't know how much of it was. Um, like government, you know, like, Sanction. hey, you have to go out here and do this. Yeah, I think it was just kind of like, hey, we're, we're four people on shore leave. Let's see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, we, you know, from the the Task Force X or, you know, Rick Flag era, we get uh, units like Argent, who is still, I believe, is still used today, heavily used in the Arrow TV show. Uh, the Blackhawks. Um, which is, you know, a, a kind of a, a fighter pilot team that shows up frequently in the DCU. Never, I don't think they really ever, I mean, they had their own book in the, in the new 52, didn't they? Um, I don't think they got picked up new 52, but they're always, I love them. They're just such a, they're such a great team. It's a shame that they don't get 
they don't get picked up as much as they should, you know. Lady Blackhawk Black was was uh the flight the pilot for birds of prey at one point right right before yeah yeah she they 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 modernized her and yeah they they brought her they brought her back to the future (laughs) (laughs) well see that the blackhawks always have a fondness for me because i remember um when justice league was a weekly book not justice League when uh action comics went weekly it was such a tough book for them to put out and they had about you know five or six heroes in each book. So obviously I was picking it up because that's where Green Lantern was at the time. So I was reading it. And of course, you know, you buy this comic and there's all these other comics in it. So you're like, okay, well, I'll read this stuff, see what it's about. And I always remember Blackhawk was in there. And it was so cool because, you know, you didn't look at it as like, oh, well, you know, there's a there's this minority or this minority character. You just looked at it as like, man, these characters were so awesome, you know. And they were kind of crooked jerks on top of that. So it was always interesting to see like, you know, because most of the time they, they got into trouble because their leader was a drinking womanizer. So, you know, it's kind of like, uh-oh, you know, the rest of them are all hanging out in the in the hangar. And then all of a sudden here comes their captain, you know, running in with his pants, covering himself like, guys, come on, I got to go. We got to go. <laughs> so they were just this goofy tug-in-cheek book that was so much fun. You know, I thought it was always a, it was a worthwhile read. So then uh, I would say that it's probably the 80s, and that's when Ostrander took over the, the title, right? When it became yes, the most, very. like, the, the, the probably its most uh, uh, praised era, the, the one that it gets the most notoriety. Oh, yeah. Well, definitely. I mean, yeah, whatever happened in the Silver Age pre-crisis doesn't really matter. Um, you had it get a major shot in the arm when the Legends miniseries came out which was basically the formation of the 1980s books that we know uh justice league came out of that justice league international you know that that whole team and then yeah exactly the 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 the, the villainous team the um the suicide squad and that's where they got their big shot in the arm so finally they got you know the the secret origins miniseries book and then it led to um it led to them having their own book, which was just amazing. Apparently, like I, I've never read it, uh, but it's definitely something that's on my list to read. Because, yeah, I, I would say the '80s. Like, I mean, if you notice your your trade paperbacks, a lot of it is coming back and collecting some of that stuff. So it's it's really strong material, um, you know. And they even they tied, you know, they they they, they played around with a lot of. Um, a lot of other books, like they were part of the Jonas Directive, which, if I remember correctly, that was kind of um, a, a thing with Checkmate and Captain Adam, you know, and, and dealing with the Cobras who eventually went on to Flash. So it's like, man, you know, they were definitely um, they were good because they were part of the big DCU. I think that's what was neat because obviously you have Captain Boomerang in there, so there's some Flash. You know, you have. Um, all those characters, so they tie back into their home books, which was kind of neat because that made it definitely a deeper part of the DCU. Right, and that, I mean, and that particular run went for it looks like sixty-seven issues, which uh, I mean, for a book that probably had no right to be all that you know all that much, that's almost I want to say six years, seven years, something like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It, it was a book that. Really shouldn't have been like, oh yeah, this is this is definitely the good stuff here. Here we go, you know. It's kind of a a risky gamble because yeah, you're talking about, and I guess it's fine because even the movie kind of echoes that. But yeah, you're talking about a you know, it's a it's a villain book. Most of us don't read superheroes for our villains. I don't know, maybe I, I was on the, the the wrong side of the, the dodgeball team when that came down. <laughs> you know, 
See, but, well, that's the funny thing know. is like I know we've talked about this a lot in the past is that I I love reading heroes. I love reading the heroes hero books. But when it comes to a team of villains having to do the right thing, even if it is for the wrong reasons or you know having to do it for because they're being told to, uh, I I love those books too because that's the time when you get to have you know a little bit more character uh, thrown into these villains who more, more often than not villains are are kind of two-dimensional you know you don't they have no other big motives other than to either kill or get the money so you, you like that's where you get to learn a lot about Deadshot and why why it is he does what he does and you know uh Catman, <laughs> what you know <laughs> with his uh why why he changed uh after uh, i want to say what countdown or 52 or something like that something like that yeah but i tell you what that you're right when they when they do have those books it is exciting because they do. They put this this character into it. It's so beautiful because you're right. It's funny that you mentioned Catman because Catman was such a joke. Uh, I think it was either Kevin Smith or Brad Meltzer who, you know, had Green Arrow take on a fat guy in a cat suit. You know, and it's like, you're Catman? What the hell? Get out of here. Yeah. You know, and it was just like, oh, man, this is this is hilarious. And, you know, but it was such a it was such a strong moment because it. it kind of put the character back in the spotlight and that's when i'm not too sure I, I i get mixed up if it was secret six or you know some other book but yeah he was just he was so his 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 flaws were what just made him so special and you know it's like yeah you can understand because we've all had that moment you know we've all had that moment where it's like yeah we're not we're not at our best we're not at this or that so you kind of find yourself walking down a dangerous path doing things you wouldn't necessarily do and so it's it's kind of interesting and i i I definitely like it's funny because those those are great stories when we have the villain rise but i kind of think you know and obviously with my my fondness for hal jordan I always like the stories when the heroes get brought down and the struggle that they have to go through in order to go back to the light, you know? Oh, definitely. So it's, so it's definitely, yeah, when they go through, like, I kind of like to look at it as, you know, it's their version of the Odyssey, you know, when this character goes on this great change and, you know, they, they, they're on both sides, you know, they're, they're truly heroic and then they're truly villainous, you know, and it's like, okay, where do they, where do they go once the, the dust settles? So I always think that's a neat thing. And, and, uh, you know, getting, uh, back to what you said a little bit a little bit ago when we were talking about the movie the suicide squad movie uh i do have to say one of the few things one of the very few things they did write in the movie was all the the easter eggs and homages they did to the the comic book like when you saw was it ostrander building or plaza or something like that and yeah that was pretty cool yeah yeah, and you know you got they had they did a lot of things right with with the characters in name, I guess I should say. I mean, obviously the character, <laughs> the way they did characters in character was just not right. But you know, a lot of the names and the 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 I, I want to say facts, but you know, for lack of a better word, we're we're, we're done right. So we 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 don't really know if it was Rick. It's supposed to be Captain Rick Flag or Captain Rick Flag Junior in the movie. But we the idea is that uh, you know it could be either one because it really is the same character. They just had to make him Junior because the time had passed. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, no, it's it, they did they did a I, well. I guess it's it's tough for me because I look at it and I always wonder like a man like Rick Flag, you know, why would he have fallen in love with um, Enchantress? Yeah, Enchantress. Like, why would he have done that? But I think they did a good job showing that because it's like, well, she's not Enchantress; she's this woman who's possessed. 
Yeah, you, you, know, so you, get, think, you get the idea you that know. he fell in love with June Moon because she was so tortured, because he has this innate, you know, uh, want to to save her, to to be her protector. And you know, unfortunately, the thing that he has to protect her from is her other her other ego, the one that takes over more often than not. Yeah, and I think and I think that was kind of neat because it definitely shows, you know, what a what a Boy Scout he is, you know, what a what a a, a good guy he was. Because it's funny because if he had met June Moon and she wasn't cursed. Would he have bothered with her? No. Or was it the curse that that was like, oh, I've got this great opportunity to save this this woman. You know, I can I can show how much of a heroic knight I am. Exactly. Know? So, and uh, that was. I mean, oh, I, just want, I just I just want to say that in the movie, if people don't know, he was played by uh, the actor Joel Kenneman. Uh, but the original role, the role was originally uh, put out there for uh, Tom Hardy to play. You know, which would have been. Uh, his next entry into the DC, the DC EU after playing Bane. And I thought it would have been a very interesting role for him to play as, as uh, Rick flag, captain Rick flag after he dropped out due to scheduling because of the revenant. Uh, it went, it went to um, Matt Gyllenhaal, Jake Gyllenhaal for a while. Oh, no kidding. I yeah. did not know that. Yeah, he, and, and I think we've talked many times about the different roles that I think he could play, either in DC or Marvel movies. Uh, and then, I, and I don't know if it was official that it actually went to him, but that was uh, the rumor at the time. And then eventually it, it, it landed on Joel Kennerman. Wow, that could have been something. So it's interesting. You, you could have think about all the, the actors that could have steered that character onto the big screen and what they could have done or what could have been. Yes, exactly. That's pretty funny. Well, you know, that one thing before we, we, we lose sight of it, since we're talking films, um, I, I well, you know, we always talk about our first exposure to the character. Um, so I guess for me, honestly, his first, my first exposure was when he was recreated in, you know, I don't know, what do we call the 80s age? You know, I guess the, <laughs> the, the launch of the, the post-crisis DCU, that was my initial um, introduction to him because I remember reading Legends, you know, I was like, oh, this is so cool because, you know, obviously as a kid in the title, legends you know you're just like this is cool this seems exciting so i got introduced to him there but obviously i didn't follow the suicide squad because i was like well they're bad guys why am i gonna you know if i'm not gonna eat lunch today i'm not eating lunch because of bad guys (laughs) (laughs) if i'm gonna give up my lunch money for a comic book it's gonna be the big ones so i kind of i didn't really get to follow him there but my my first real introduction to the character and i think you'll be surprised because i almost forgot about this was justice league the new frontier yeah, that's what I was to say. is is probably pretty pretty close to my first introduction of him as well. Yeah, so in there he was definitely the, you know, he was the guy who was recruiting the, you know, the the Earth people to get him to go to Mars to attack first, you know, to kind of shut down this impending alien invasion from Mars. Um, yeah, so I thought it was interesting, and I thought it was kind of cool the way Darwin Cook did that with, you know, he because he's kind of the first person to really put out there, you know, the the relationship that Rick flag jr. Would have been aware of his father. I'm sure they probably touched on it in, you know, the, the suicide books, but I always just remember that moment because, you know, the, the space mission, they died and, you know, how Jordan was luckily scrubbed from the mission. So he didn't, you know, he didn't pass away. But I just remember that scene where they show the kid at the funeral and it's like, Oh man, that's Rick flag jr. So that's kind of like, to me, that's one of the first times where it's like, yeah, there's definitely a, a separation of character. And it shows in story as opposed to like, oh, we need a plot device that can explain why he's here still. Right. 
and uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, in other in his other appearances, and he's actually shown up quite a bit for a character that's not really well known. He showed up in Justice League Unlimited a few times, uh, voiced by Adam Baldwin, which is a great. Oh, choice. nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he also showed up in Smallville in the tenth and final season, uh, played by the the actor Ted White Whithall Whithall whittle something like that and <laughs> I, I i was very surprised that he uh he he he's only mentioned in the arrow uh tv show because they did do whole episodes dedicated to the suicide squad but they have um uh more of uh you know amanda waller just being the leader of that team with deadshot as the field leader they don't they never actually have rick flag show up just just mentioned in the episode um, I think for me, uh, the same thing has to be said is about the whole, what I'm going to spend my money on. Uh, I would say that around 1992 is when I first started reading comic books. So that would have been, uh, what the death of Superman. Uh, yeah, definitely drove us into stores. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but when I first started collecting would probably be 95, um, and I mean, obviously, at that time, I, I didn't, I didn't. There wasn't a, a Suicide Squad book out, so my first introduction to the Suicide Squad was actually the 2001 series that didn't have Rick Flag. I mean, the first issue has Rick Flag kind of in the drawn in the background on the cover, but it doesn't really, it, it doesn't have him as the leader of the team. It has Sergeant Rock as the leader of the team, which is another uh, World War II comic book. Uh, icon i guess you would say he's kind of like also the the nick fury of the dc universe because he yeah well that's a, it's funny because that's the name that that's the one that kept bugging me sergeant rock he was the big one and even then there's still another one you got sarge steel with his metal hand yeah you know and so it's funny because i think yeah that's where dc kind of fell apart on that because it's like they got three different flavors as opposed to just one consistent character that made it out you know well, I think that's what I think, and I, and I really think at the end of that book, because that, that, that volume of the Suicide Squad, which I believe would probably be volume two, maybe two, volume three, no, volume two, uh, has Sergeant, it, it only went 12 issues, and on the last issue, uh, Sergeant, throughout the whole book, Sergeant Rock is in a uh, wheelchair, and he gets up and walks out of the wheelchair and pulls off a mask, so I'd have to say that they were trying to infer that it might have been Rick Flag underneath the mask the whole time. Oh, that's funny. What a good little twist. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you never really found out, and you'd, have, you'd probably have to ask, uh, let's see, Keith Giffen if he was if that's who they were intending to do. But, you know, asking writers, they usually don't try and give you any straight answers. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, that, that usually doesn't work out well. All that does is open up a good, huh, wish I'd thought of that. Let me walk away now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then 2007, we had another re- another volume of it with uh, eight issues um, with John Ostrander coming back to try and, uh, I, I guess, revitalize the book. And uh, I think Rick Flagg was then, again, the, the the team leader, and I didn't know anything about it. What are you doing over there? Me? Yeah, so I hear something, like, rubbing against your, your microphone or something. Oh, oh, you know what it is? I just scrolled on the, the screen phone. Sorry. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, we're hearing that every time you do it. Oh, shoot. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, no, I just had to I had to move the... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> No problem. I just figured I'd say something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but you're right. I mean, there our, our introductions to that that particular character is not far. You know, there's not there's not a lot to to be said about it. Yeah, he's just well, he's always been a good background character, and it's funny because I think like it, it, it's it's you know obviously Amanda Waller will spit in the face of what I'm going to say, but it's funny because you know like DC Comics is you know gods and you know these these amazing epics and marvel is more men with these struggles you know so that's why it makes sense that a character like nick fury he made it he survived and obviously good writing and and art amazing art kept him relevant uh dc you know more just was like well you know who do we focus on rick flag or superman well, we're going to pick superman so you know those characters never really made it they've done a good job having them in the background because there's always a strong military presence, you know, I mean, General Sam Lane, you know, and eventually, I mean, gosh, they could, you know, have enough, enough of these background military characters that they could form their own team. Oh, no, no kidding. Um, but it's, it's just tough because, yeah, they've never caught on. So you'll have, you know, the general in the Superman books, you'll have the general in the Batman books and so on and so on. Uh, so it's a shame because, yeah, I mean, like right off the bat, you've got those three, Sarge Steel, Rick Flag, and Sergeant Rock. And they're all competing to be the same character. So I think that's where they get kind of lost because, you know, fans and, you know, I'm sure we've even been there too, where it's like, who is that character? Oh, isn't that such and such? You're like, no, you're close. It's the other version. You know? yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, I mean, that's, I, that's pretty much all we have for um, Rick Flagg. Um, I think right now, is he in the, the Rebirth uh, Suicide Squad book? I didn't – well, I haven't picked up the Rebirth Suicide Squad book, but I would definitely say it's a for sure safe bet that he is there. Um, obviously, Rick Flagg now is a top-tier name. You know, I mean, we've had – you know, Rick Flagg's made a, a movie appearance well before most of the, the Justice League members. So, you know, he's he's definitely going to be up there. Um, you know, he's done the animated stuff, so he's he's definitely paid his time. Yeah, that's something actually. Since we since I just mentioned animated, do you remember that Batman Suicide Squad attack video on Arkham? That they made? Yeah, was Rick Flag a part of that? He was not. That was once again. Oh. It's Amanda Waller just forming the team and getting Deadshot as to be the field leader. Uh, that's interesting because I totally you know it makes sense that there he's he's a good handler. You know, he'd be a great handler for them, especially. In a place like Arkham. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which, you know, uh, I have to say that if you like the Suicide Squad movie, you should definitely check out Attack on Arkham because, uh, to me, it's it's a it's a better <laughs> version of the movie. But uh, you should uh, everybody should definitely give it a chance. Oh, yeah. Even if you didn't like the movie, go watch the animated movie because now you'll understand why there was such a love and a passion for those characters because they're they're truer to their form. Yes, exactly. You know, because it's it's funny because I, I could kick myself and I, I can see myself going out and buying the trades. But, yeah, that 1980s Suicide Squad book, oh, man, it sounds like it was just – it was kind of the little book that couldn't and it did. You know, so it's definitely – it's something that I'm putting on my read list. I recommend you listeners give it a shot. Well, um, I think you'll enjoy what you see in it. And that's what I have to say about the – since I didn't read the 80s version uh, one, but the volume that I was talking about, the 2001 volume – that was the I mean, the first time that I actually saw uh, uh, t- team members getting killed off. Just about every book, and every book, every issue of that book was a new new team. Like they they would put to get like Amanda Waller would actually pick different 
villains because they would have different skills, which makes sense. I mean, you have a whole prison worth of super villains. Why not pick the one that's going to be good for whatever mission you're going to do? And that was the book that killed Clue Master, which is Spoiler's dad, you know? So that was. Holy crap. Yeah, that that was. (laughs) And it showed the ramifications in uh, the Batman universe, too, that her father died because, I mean, literally, if you know Spoiler's. um, background. She's the one that put her father in jail. Wow, that's some twisted stuff, and that's pretty good because God, the, the guilt she must be running around with, you know, like, oh man, I, I killed my dad. Yeah. Wow, that's good. So yeah, if you get a chance, you know, I don't know if you read it read it when it came out in two thousand one, but you should you should try and find that on trade if they have it. Who was the writer on that again? That was Keith Giffen. Okay. Yeah, he's he's real good. He um it's funny cuz obviously a lot of people always harken back to Giffen and Demodis when they did their Justice League, Justice League International. Right. So that's like the uh, the Bwahaha League, but even then I find myself gravitating and reading that stuff. So yeah, I definitely I think I'll have to pick up his Yeah, you know, that's probably definitely more of his follow-up and, and later years what he's doing with the DC universe. So And the yeah, uh, oh. the artist on that, the penciler on that is uh, Paco Medina. So, I, I mean, I know he's had a lot of other work, especially with Marvel, but, uh, you know, it's, it's some of the, 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 the style that I like with, uh, uh, with, with art. And I, I, currently he's working on Nova and Legendary Star-Lord. Oh, nice. So, yeah, he's got, he's got some good art then because I know I'm reading Star-Lord. So, nice. Yeah, I'll have to put – okay, looks like Volume 1 and Volume 2. <laughs> <laughs> So there you go. Uh, I think that's uh, what we have to say about uh, Rick Flag, unless you had something else. No, not really. I mean, he's just a, he's a good character. Again, um, you know, it's it seems like he. I mean, he's got some strong comic book moments, but he's also got some really strong uh, animation moments. So I would recommend go watch uh, Justice League: New Frontier, and then kind of as a neat inadvertent sequel, go watch that Batman uh, Suicide Squad assault, assault on Arkham. Um, probably go see if you can find the Justice League Unlimited episodes he was in, just because I know they played a little bit with uh, Flag and Waller there. Definitely. I think she kind of she gave a little nod to him, was like, "Oh, your father would be proud of you." Yeah. So yeah, you know, he's got some he's got some good moments on the animated world. Um, the actor did a great job in the movie. You know, I mean, he worked very well with what he had. I I, I thought he did great. <laughs> I would say that he did very well with what he had, what he was given. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think that with the you know the popularity of the movie and then the the popularity of the Wonder Woman movie, we'll probably see a lot more of Steve Trevor in the comic books. I mean, I know that he has been being played up a lot lately uh, after uh, New Fifty Two, but I think- oh yeah, New Fifty Two definitely saved him because it was a shame. Like I know when they did again the nineteen eighties, the relaunch of the DCU back then, uh, Steve Trevor was an old man. So it was a shame because Steve Trevor has always been kind of the love interest. You know, he's the, you know, he's he's the, the the love interest of Wonder Woman. But there, it couldn't happen because they they had him so old. I think they eventually even killed him. So it was like, man, they kind of did a little bit of a Peggy Carter thing before you know, before that happened. <laughs> and so it was tough because you're like, oh, that's a classic character, and they got rid of him. And New Fifty Two just did a great job of reviving him and putting him right there. You know, right on the the ground floor of these super heroics, you know? Exactly. So, yeah, I think with uh, those two particular characters, we'll be seeing a lot more of them. And just to see, you know, how uh, regular humans interact with uh, all these superheroes with, uh, you know, godlike powers in in our comic books. 
Uh, yeah. I think that's uh, all we have to say for this week. Next week we'll have a, another challenge. We uh, don't know exactly know what that challenge is yet, but we will. So join us <laughs> next week. You can find me on Twitter at agent underscore of the underscore bat. Uh, Chris, you can also be found on Twitter as... I am stuff I should say should being spelled S-H-U-D. And we also have a Geek Elite Radio Twitter at, at Geek Elite Radio. And then also make sure you come over to Geek Elite Radio on Facebook because, you know, we put questions out there. We would love to hear your questions. We'd love to hear your challenges. We we, we take we, you know, we take them all in and we, we do our best. And if you have some characters that you want to learn a little bit more about and, uh, you know, see if we can expand on what <laughs> Wikipedia or the Internet has to say about those characters because we, we have a little bit of uh, history with them. Um, oh, yeah, definitely come up and, and let us use our Mobius powers to enlighten. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said earlier, I think we, we will, we'll probably be doing, for the next couple 101s, we'll have uh, some more Suicide Squad characters because uh, who knows about Diablo? Who knows about Killer Croc? <laughs> uh, and uh, we, yeah, Slipknot, he was a great character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for his whole three minutes <laughs> uh but there you go because i mean do we really need to talk about harley quinn i think everybody and their mom knows who harley quinn is at this point right oh yeah you know mario robbie is definitely a great character <laughs> <laughs> so uh uh until next time then this has been imagine if presents characters 101 rick flag edition uh we'll have to say always remember to geek out geek out we now return you to your regularly scheduled program.